Welcome to the Slowing Down for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and each week I'll bring you a new episode on topics that I feel the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart. My hope is that these topics will find you and they will help speak new life into you in whatever season of life you may be in. Let's get started with today's episode. Hi guys, welcome to week four of my podcast. I hope you've been enjoying these as much as I have been enjoying doing them. They have been a huge blessing and they have truly helped me to open my eyes and learn how to study my Bible more. So let's get started with today's episode, which um, the topic is about why does God allow pain and suffering on his children? Excuse me, and I think it's very important that first we start off with um, nothing forces a person to confront their true self like suffering. Um, suffering causes our focuses to turn inward, to face those parts of ourselves we might otherwise ignore. And therefore, God can use the suffering to then develop us into better people, um, the people who can love and enjoy him forever. God wants people who are who are genuine. He wants the people who have fought the fight to um, spread the gospel, spread his word, to spread his love, to be a light on this earth. And as 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 people we are given free will and some people might say well why doesn't god intervene with free will like to end the pain and suffering well that's a good question and i think i think a lot of people actually question that too and if god were to intervene with free will then our feelings toward him would not be genuine um we would be afraid of what could possibly happen if we didn't change ourselves. And we should be afraid of what could happen. Um, but God wants the people who, who want to love him. And if you, if you don't want to love him, if you don't want to follow him, then that's up to you. But just know that the consequences of not receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is eternal damnation into the lake of fire. And I think a lot of people that um that don't choose to follow him don't take that seriously enough or you know they might not even know who he is they weren't raised around that they they've never been shown the love of christ in their life and unfortunately those people do exist and that's why as stewards of christ it is our job to go out and find them just as the lord went out and found them when he was walking on the earth so um with that being said, I wanted to dive into the first the first verse that I found, and it's in Romans chapter 5, and it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have been saved, and if you know Jesus, then you are going to know peace. You're going to feel his peace. You're going to feel his love. That's not his way of saying you will never feel pain and you will never feel suffering because when God walked on the earth, he felt pain, joy, anger, rejection. He felt all of it just like we do. And that's the beautiful thing about knowing God and knowing that he gave us his only son is that God himself has felt pain and he has felt suffering because he gave his only child. Try to imagine as a parent you have to give up your only kid, your only child, to, to bring people home. I mean, think of that sacrifice. We can't take that lightly, and a lot of us do. I know that prior to me 
really digging into my faith, I took that very lightly. I didn't take it seriously at all up until recently. And with my two children, I can't imagine sacrificing my own kid, my own child, to save the world. And that sounds kind of like a superhero thing, but you know what? In a sense, God is a superhero because he can save us. He can save us from eternal separation from him. And I, I don't want to be eternally separated from him. I, I don't know anybody that does. And when you meet the people who don't know him and who don't study his word, they don't realize how serious the eternal separation is. I think it, it breaks my heart so much when people joke about, well, I'll see you in hell. Well, we're going to have a big party in hell. Hell is not a party. It's not a party at all. It is suffering. It is pain. I mean, imagine the thirstiest and the tiredest you have ever been and just multiply that by an unfathomable amount. And that is what you will feel forever, forever when you are eternally separated from Christ. God uses pain and suffering as a way to try and show us what our life could be like without him. It's a small a fraction of the amount of pain and suffering that we actually could feel if we chose not to accept him as our Lord and Savior. So moving forward, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope and glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. How beautiful is it to go through trials and you overcome those trials and you're rejoicing because you made it through that suffering. You made it through that pain by the grace of God, by prayer, by community. You made it and now you're rejoicing because through that pain and suffering, you clung on harder to Jesus and you surrendered yourself to him. I would rather suffer through pain my entire life knowing that that pain is taking me closer to God. I I will I don't want to wish pain or suffering upon myself. I don't know anybody that does. But I will take all the pain and suffering that he has to throw at me if it means I am becoming more humble for his kingdom. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Just like in sports, when you're playing a sport, when you start out, when you're very, it's the very beginning of you playing a sport, you're weak. You don't know what you're doing. You become fatigued very easily. But as time goes on, you become stronger. You learn how to play that sport better and you get tired a lot less. It's not as easy to get tired anymore. When you fully dive into the Word of God, at first it's intimidating because you don't know what you're doing unless you're being guided by somebody who does. And that's me. I, I was very intimidated when I first started reading the Bible. I had no idea what I was doing and I'm still learning as I go. 
but that's because this is all new to me. I told you in the beginning that I was going to be as raw and as open and as honest as I possibly could. So by no means am I claiming to be this perfect, devout Christian. By no means. However, what is important is that I am at the beginning of the line. I'm, I'm right at the start line. And I'm diving in. And I'm learning. My, my endurance on how to read the Bible and how to really quench my thirst for his word is getting stronger the way that it needs to be, the way that it should have been doing, the way that I should have been doing it for years. But what's important is that I'm finally doing it. And I'm diving in like, like, like quite literally like my life depends on it because it does. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How beautiful is that to know that once we fully, just full force go into our faith. Guys, I can feel the Holy Spirit right now. <laughs> but when we go full force into our faith, God meets us right there. He doesn't care if we just started. He doesn't care if we've been at it for years. He meets us right where we are and he loves us exactly how we are. I, I can't, <laughs> that's, that's just amazing to me. It's completely amazing. So, yes, God does allow free will and that is why there is pain and suffering in the world because with that free will, he wants those who want to follow him. He wants those who seek him. Of course, he wants those who do not follow and do not seek him to turn and follow him. But should they choose to continue down the path that they are going down, he doesn't want that character in his kingdom. His kingdom is perfect and it is where we are going to spend eternity. He doesn't want evil in his kingdom. He will not allow it. Evil cannot exist in his kingdom. Where there is light, there cannot be darkness at all. And the evildoers, they're going into the dark. And that's where they're going to stay for eternity. That is why God allows free will to give us the power to choose right from wrong. And some people question why he doesn't why he doesn't interfere with free will. Because that's not that's not who God is. He is an honest father. He is a loving father. And just as parents, if you have a child, you you can't force them to do to choose right from wrong. You can't. Because as they grow older, they become sneakier. They come up with different ways to do things. And as parents, it doesn't matter what we did growing up. Been there, done that. Our children will come up with different ways that we couldn't have even imagined. But it is our job to try to teach them right from wrong. And try to help guide them onto the right path. I think a good example of this is 
I worked in a prison for a few years and there were a lot of young prisoners um, and a lot of them would either come in to where I worked and they were very respectful, very kind. Granted, they were in there for a reason, but their, their wrongdoing was not, was not for me to judge. I was not put on this earth to judge someone else. That's God's job. As humans, it's hard to not judge people. But when your heart is fully in the right place, you will be um, convicted more. And what convicted means is um, you will feel when, when you're sinning, it's, it's going to, it's going to, come, to your, come to the front of your mind more that you're sinning. You're going to realize it as you're doing it or right before you do it. That is called being convicted because it's the Holy Spirit trying to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. Guilt and shame are from the devil. Do not confuse the two of them. It's very easy to confuse them. But please, please try to get your heart in the right spot to where you know the difference between convicted, guilt, and shame. Now, moving forward. Um, another verse that I want to talk about, and I know I talk about it. I have a lot of verses that I go through. But I think it's, it's crucial as a podcaster, um, someone who's speaking about the, the Bible, someone who's speaking about Christianity, I need to have God's word to back up what I'm saying. So in um, Romans chapter 12, and it's uh, verse 14, as hard as this is, guys, because I struggle with it too, you are to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. I can't pronounce this word correctly. I'm going to butcher it, but do not be hody, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. This is the most important part of this entire verse. Excuse me. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There is absolutely no amount of revenge you could put on somebody that will even compare to the revenge that God is going to get on the wrongdoers and the evildoers and the rapists and murderers and the human traffickers. There is nothing that we could ever do that would compare to the amount of revenge that God is going to get on them. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on that end of the stick. Now, what's also important to remember is in Second Timothy, it talks about the end days, and we are in the end times without a doubt. But this is also part of, it goes into my topic today about why does God allow bad things to happen to his children. And in Second Timothy chapter 3, 
It's godlessness in the last days. It's very, very abundantly clear that God is being put on the back burner in the world today. And when you put God on the back burner in your life or in anything, you might think you're succeeding, but all you're doing is causing yourself pain. You might think you've got it all, but unless you have God, you are so, you are so wrong. Second Timothy chapter three says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. They will be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. How many times have you thought lately about how disrespectful people have been getting, how money-hungry the world is becoming, how much society basically is going down the tank? I am blown away sometimes by how some of the people around me speak, some of the kids even. And I've heard other people make comments about how kids are not respectful the way that they used to be. People are turning into bigger thieves than they ever were. I mean, it's unbelievable. You are to avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. And I can't pronounce these names either, but just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that to those two men. I'm going to end this with one last verse and it is in second timothy chapter four verse nine do your best to come to me soon and i think that's important to end with because we might think that we have all the time in the world to find god i mean some of us do some of us think that we have all the time in the world but what we need to remember is that one day is equal to a thousand years and 1,000 years is equal to one day in the eyes of the Lord. He says, come to me soon because we don't know when the last day on this earth will be. Nobody does, not even the angels. Come to me soon so that you might prosper. Come to me soon so that you can spend, king spend eternity in my kingdom that I've prepared for you. Come to me soon so that you will not be thrown into the lake of fire. Come to me soon so that you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. Come to me soon, children. I want to end this in prayer. If you want to bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, the time is coming, and it's, it's coming more quickly than any of us could ever imagine. And it's so hard for some of us because we don't understand why you allow pain and suffering in a world where you could easily jump in and just end it all. Some of us just don't understand that. And unfortunately, 
there are so many unanswered questions on this earth. So there are some questions that we will never get an answer to until we see you face to face. But God, I pray that the person listening to this podcast episode, whoever it may be, I pray that you will put a sense of peace in their heart that will remind them that no matter what happens on this earth, you are in control. Nothing happens without your will being done. And no bad deed will go unpunished. But as humans, as your children, it is so important for us to remember that it is not up to us to punish these people. It is only up to us to guide them to you. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. Um, I hope you join me next week. Um, God bless each and every one of you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find me on Instagram at Slowing Down for Christ Podcast, where you're welcome to send me prayer requests or just to chat. I hope you have a great week.